Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, I'm Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels in 66ers baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Tori Hunter Jr. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. What is going on to another edition of the All Angels Podcast with Down Garcia. And again, happy 2020. We made it. Brand new year. Uh, excited to start a whole new year of Angels baseball coming up with spring training just about over a month away. So today's episode is a little bit different. It's myself. It's Michael Brown. He's the host of Big League Chewing Podcast. It is a podcast about uh, Major League Baseball, but he looks at it from all 32, all 30 teams, um, not just like us, kind of team specific, but we are, I am lucky enough to have been on his podcast before and he is on our podcast now. So, Michael, how are you doing? Good, Daniel. How are you doing today? Doing awesome. Thanks for uh, spending some time and just being able to talk a little bit. So, we'll get to your podcast in a bit, but I want to start off. You know, last uh, winter meetings, I mean, nothing happened. We're talking about right. signings happening in February between uh, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Before the winter meetings actually started this year, what were your expectations about who would sign and, and, and kind of the what would happen? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of figured that kind of we would have a repeat of what happened in the last offseason. I kind of figured that, you know, Cole, um, the sweepstakes for Garrett Cole would go into, you know, the new year, February. Um, <clears throat> so I was I was very surprised that Cole and Rendon and uh, Strasburg went within that kind of five day winter meetings period. Um you know, I think it's I think it's great for baseball that they can kind of condense uh, those three top tier guys uh, into a five day period. You know, it kind of reminds me of the NBA. I think that's one thing that the NBA does so well is that they have that free agent window uh, where within a week you kind of know where everyone's going and fans can kind of get hyped up for that little window. So I think there needs to be kind of more hype for the winter meetings in the future. You know, obviously the owners and the agents, you know, are going to say otherwise. Obviously, they're going to drive up the price. Uh, on their on their client for as long as that takes, but um, yeah, I thought it was a nice change of pace this time around to have those three guys go uh, within the five day period there in San Diego. And even too, if you extend it even you know to a little bit before the winter meetings, you had guys like uh, Grandal, Holmes, and 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 Wheeler coming off the board really quickly. Did, did the signings before the winter meetings also surprise you? Yeah. You know, especially with the White Sox um, going out there and getting Grandal so as quickly as they did, um, it kind of showed that. And, and obviously, the White Sox have made you know a few bigger signings um, since then. But yeah, it kind of showed their willingness to kind of go out there and, and spend the money that they were kind of allocating to Machado um, last offseason that they got uh, turned away from. So yeah, I mean, there were a few other signings kind of before that period too. But yeah, I mean, it, it the offseason did get off to a lot of a quicker start. Um, than I had imagined, and I'm I'm, I'm pretty uh, pretty thankful that it did because it makes for a more exciting offseason for sure. So once they did get into the winter meetings, the first major uh, domino to fall, I guess you would say, would, uh, would be uh, Steven Strasburg signing that signing that seven year, two hundred and forty five million dollar contract. When you saw the numbers on that, um, what was your first thought that that went through your mind? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's that's good for him. Um, you know, that's that's a little more than what David Price got. I believe David Price signed a similar contract, but I believe it was for like 217 million uh, a couple years back with the Red Sox. Um, <clears throat> you know, Strasburg has had, you know, his ups and downs with injuries, um, but he's been pretty reliable over the last few seasons. And obviously, I think that number um, his contract kind of uh, gained more value based on this postseason that he had. Um, obviously he's a guy that's going into his thirties. Um, so you can expect some decline at some point, but I think the first three to four years of this contract will be good. I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, 
as long as he's healthy. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that that that'll be that'll continue to be good. Um, so I'm I'm not that. Uh, I kind of like that contract for the Nationals. The Nationals seem to be able to get these contracts for pitchers um, that tend to work out in the end. You know, obviously the Corbin signing um, is still kind of early in that, but he had a great season again last year for them in, the, in that first year of that big contract. And then the Scherzer contract has been probably the most, um, you know, beneficial and most uh, the contract that's definitely come through the most uh, out of these kind of bigger uh, free agent um, con- uh, pitching contracts. You know, obviously the Chris Sale one, Worked out the first couple of years, but now his injury history and his injury nagging injury problems are a big concern for the Red Sox. So the Nationals seem to find these guys, um, give them a lot of money, a lot of years, and, and they seem to work work out so far. So um, Strasburg and Corbin being two that happened in back to back off seasons, I think I think those will actually work out pretty nicely for them. I like Corbin a lot. Um, I know obviously the Angels had a bid in for him as well last off season, but yeah, the, the, the Strasburg contract, the numbers, the years um you know it's not the worst um i i can i can kind of get down with that then obviously the big big one that happened the day after would be the garrett cole nine years 324 million with the yankees um surprising the number not only years but uh just pure money wise that it would reach to 324 i was kind of in the camp where it would be around like maybe like 310 315 um, you know, but the, the Yankees got someone they've been, you know, as it was kind of mentioned their white whale from when they drafted him coming out of high school to trying to trade from when it was with the Pirates to now. So um, the Garrett Cole signing again, nine years, three hundred twenty four million dollars. What did you think? Yeah, that one, um, you know, as, as an Angel fan, I think I've brought it up a few times before on my own podcast. But, yeah, I am an Angels fan um, and I was was hoping that, uh, you know, eventually he would end up signing with the angels didn't happen that's okay um you know for that price i'm kind of glad the angels didn't sign him um that's just a lot of money and i feel like there's very few teams in baseball that can afford that kind of contract um the yankees being one the dodgers being one although the dodgers are kind of uh under andrew friedman that's not really their mo to hand out kind of these bigger deals but um yeah the coal signing i think will pay off the first three or four years um, you know, the last five to six years of it, um, you know, I think he'll be OK. But, you know, you never know with these guys. He's He's been relatively healthy, I believe, the first few years of his career. Um, it's just crazy the turnaround he's had, though. Um, I remember when he was kind of a prospect and he came up with the Pirates. I was like, oh, this is a nice piece. He's kind of, um, you know, he, he he's, he's got a lot of talent. He kind of reminded me of kind of the, the, the buzz that kind of Walker Bueller has right now. He Cole kind of right, had yeah. when he was with, a, with, with the that with the pirates and you kind of obviously you think Walker Bueller is going to be good. But, uh, when Garrett Cole was with the pirates, you thought, you thought the same thing, but then he went to Houston completely changed, um, started using his four seam fastball more, um, getting a lot more strikeouts. Um, you know, this is going to be huge for the Yankees over the next few seasons as they, you know, try to win a world series. They're, they're definitely the best team in the American league now. Um, along with that bullpen. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like the deal, but, uh, I think it's going to hurt a lot, and it, it, to me, the the value, the, the the money number attached to it, the three hundred, I think twenty four million, that's a lot, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's like that's like that's like all that's like superstar position player money going into a pitcher, um, and it just all all boils down to the Yankees really wanted him, and they were willing to kind of go there, um, you know. But you know, it's going to be funny in the next, you know, in five years from now, you can tell, you can just see the Yankee fans being like, "Why did we sign this guy?" You know this. <laughs> this crazy amount of money <laughs> uh, but the, of course they love it right now so um the other thing too is they took on that that stanton contract that was a pretty big contract at the time too so they got a lot of money on the books um obviously they have guys like torres glaber torres and and some younger guys that are kind of go, about to go through arbitration and stuff and not making as much but um yeah it's a big deal uh i think it's probably too much money for cole um but you know a lot of these free agents going into the, the these contracts, um, going into the, this offseason, had big years. You know, Ryu, I mean, we'll get into Ryu later, but Ryu had a big season. Cole had a big season. Strasburg had a big season. Um, Rendon had a big season. So I think what we're seeing is uh, a lot of guys having huge years and then immediately becoming available, thus kind of driving up their ticket price. Um you know, uh, yeah. So I, I like the whole signing. I just, I just think it's too much money for, yeah. for him. Um, 
And like you said, though, the value is so crazy. But in, in your opinion, how many at that nine years that he's under contract for, how many World Series do you think he needs to win to validate? Well, I mean, not so much validate because I think he's a great pitcher regardless, but to for people to look back on and say, OK, that was a deal that was worth it. How many World Series do you think he needs to win? Um, yeah, I think for Yankee fans, um, I think they would want to see maybe two two World Series. I think that'd be fine. You know, I think if he won one kind of right away within the first three years, that would say a lot for him. Um, you know, and then maybe he wins one towards the back end of the contract. I'm not sure. Or maybe they went back to back, you know, something like that. I think two um, is what Yankee fans are going to want. For me, I mean, as an Angels fan, you know, where titles <laughs> are kind of, you know, few and far between. If he say say he had signed with the Angels and the Angels win a World Series in 2023, uh, you know, with Garrett Cole kind of leading the charge, man, I mean, I would be, I would love him for life, you know. Um, yeah. But Yankee fans are a little stingier. Um, I, yeah, I would say two. You know, maybe uh, Yankee fans would say like, oh, he needs to win, win three rings or something. But no, I think two for them would be would be fine. Um, and I think that's that's pretty doable given what they have. Um, I mean, you're looking at the Astros kind of being in a weird position where, um, you know, do they extend George Springer? And, you know, they haven't really made too many signings this offseason because they're trying to kind of stand under that luxury tax threshold. So um, they're not going to be as strong. You know, you wonder about the Red Sox um, and then the, the AL Central to me is kind of a crapshoot because you kind of have these teams that are kind of beating up on the bad teams in the division like the Royals and the Tigers. Um, so the Yankees, I think, have a pretty clear path to a couple titles here in the next the next few years. And like you said, the Angels were in on Garrett Cole. They quickly pivoted uh, and get Anthony Rendon for seven years, $245 million. We'll ask about that when we kind of talk about the whole Angel offseason in general. But as far as the three main guys from the winter meetings and the, the three or so guys from before the winter meetings, um, any of those contracts you feel or, or, or what contract do you feel is probably most over, like the most overpaid? Like, do you feel like anyone overpaid for the value? Um, yeah, I would probably say Zach Wheeler. Um, to me, he's kind of, he, you know, when he was with the Mets, he kind of, uh, you know, got lost in the shuffle with the cinder guards and the, um, and the DeGroms, so to speak, you know, in terms of pure talent. Um, you know, I think he's a pretty talented guy. Um, the only thing is just the, the 118 million, I believe he's signed for five years. Um, seems like a little bit of an overpay. You know, I would have been born kind of the, uh, the four to 95 or five to 95 kind of range. I wouldn't have given him a hundred million. Um, he's kind of, I mean, most people that see him, most people, most Mets fans kind of say that like one day he looks great. And then, you know, for three weeks, he'll, he'll look like a kind of a number three or number four starter. Um, so yeah, I, I think the, the Phillies definitely paid overpaid a little bit for Wheeler. Um, I think they kind of overpaid for his upside a little bit. You know, a lot of people talk about upside with him, um, something about his average, I think his average fastball velocity was kind of in the top, uh, top five of the league, if not top two. Um, I see, I saw him getting compared to Garrett Cole a lot when Cole was with the pirates and kind of the upside he had, and maybe the Phillies can turn, <laughs> can turn Zach Wheeler into Garrett Cole. Um, so I think, I think that was a little bit of an overpay, um, in, in that regard. Um, I think the Phillies kind of, uh, reacted out of necessity uh, i don't think it was a bad signing for them i think they got somebody that can kind of compliment aaron nola but i think the rest of that starting staff is kind of suspect and um you know it's kind of a necessity signing for them they kind of were kind of uh without a choice there they kind of had to go get somebody like that but um yeah i think that was a little too much for, for zach wheeler and now moving on to the angels uh off season and what they done and, and it started you know kind of um with a big question mark, I guess you want to say from some of the fan response, I see getting uh, Dylan Bundy from Baltimore for four minor league pitchers. Um, later on, they trade Zach Cozart. Um, then, like we said earlier, they've signed Anthony Rendon. And then just uh, a couple, about a day ago, two days ago, they get Jason Castro to fill the catching spot. And then also Julio Tehran uh, for another pitcher. Um, so with everything that's happened so far, knowing that it's still – uh, a little over a month until pitchers and catchers report, and they still could probably make another move or two. Uh, right. how, how would you grade, or how, what would you say about the Angels' offseason so far? Yeah, so uh, starting kind of with the with the Rendon signing, um, you know, they pivoted really quickly after, 
you know, losing out on Garrett Cole to, to signing Rendon. And, um, you know, I, I really liked it. Uh, I still I still really like the signing. Um, you know, the Angels haven't had a lockdown <laughs> third baseman in, um, you know, a long, long time. Long time, Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd like to say that Figgins uh, kind of locked down that position for a while, but you know, he, he wasn't really kind of a, a you know, he was he, he was capable and he was a good third baseman, but he's not really the traditional kind of third baseman that you think of when you think of a third baseman. So um, I think they definitely uh, locked up a position of need uh, for the immediate future. Uh, um, you know, Rendon's a guy that I think flies under the radar a lot, um, you know, being based in. I, I, I feel like if that guy was a, a Yankee or a Red Sox or something like that or a Dodger, I feel like Rendon would kind of be more in the national spotlight. Obviously, with the World Series that he had and the playoff run that he had, um, you know, he kind of became more known on kind of the national stage. But, I mean, this guy's kind of a top top 10 player, top five player in the league. Um, you know, he's he's up there with third baseman like uh, like Arenado. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think I think he's going to make a huge difference. I think he's going to make Trout better. I think he's going to make that lineup better. He's going to lengthen the lineup a lot. Um, Cause now you're not really relying on guys like Upton to kind of uh, support trout. Now you got a guy like Rendon that fits nicely behind him or whatever way Joe Madden um, will, will, will shake out that lineup. Um, I think he's going to try to, you know, use Rendon and trout, uh, you know, obviously back to back in some capacity, whether trout bats second and Rendon bats third or, or something of that, of that nature. But um, yeah, I, I, I love the Rendon move. Um, I, th- I think it's, it, I think I think it was a very Artie Moreno move. Um, I think that when Artie Moreno likes the guy um, and has his his, his sights set on a guy, uh, he'll kind of roll out the uh, the bank for him. And I think that was the case with Rendon. Yeah, and I love the Rendon signing. Also, defensively, he makes the team better. Offensively, he makes the team better. And and by that alone, he's obviously made the team better from what it was last year. Um, Pitching, pitching, pitching. That was always the Angels' big thing coming into this offseason. Um, the trade for, for Dylan Bundy and then the signing of Julio Tehran. What, what, are your, what were your initial thoughts when they, came, when they came across that they were going to the Angels? And has those initial thoughts maybe changed a little bit when you're able to kind of sit back and look at it? Yeah, I, 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 that's that's interesting because initially uh, I think the Bundy came in, uh, sorry the Bundy signing came first and um, you know I was a little a little skeptical um, you know I I think this is kind of a I was a little skeptical and kind of upset because uh, it felt very much like a Billy Epler signing uh, relative to the last few seasons where he you know he he took a gamble on uh, Matt Harvey he took a gamble on Trevor Cahill uh, took a gamble on Cody Allen. Um, so I, with the Bundy thing, I know they're getting a few more years, um, and Bundy is still relatively young. Uh, I remember when Bundy first came into the league, he was a highly touted guy. Um, I think he was a first round pick by the Orioles back in the day, but, um, he had a few injuries, uh, early on. And I think he's kind of, I remember actually the, when the Orioles were kind of utilizing him in the bullpen for a bit, and then they kind of decided a few years ago to kind of make him a, a full-time starter. But, um, um, you know, he's a league average guy. I think he will provide good innings um, kind of at the back end of the Angels rotation. Um, and to expect anything kind of more than that um, is is probably not right. You know, I think what the Angels need are, um, you know, if the Angels aren't able to sign, um, you know, the big A's or trade for the big A's. I mean, we'll get into that later. But um, I think getting a stable of uh, these kind of league average guys in terms of like ERA plus um, these league average guys, I think, you know, I think will greatly improve the uh, the starting staff, you know, whether it's, um, you know, Bundy and Tehran. And if they go out and add somebody else that's kind of league average, um, what they need is innings. You know, the Angels haven't had innings uh, guys Forever. come out there and put up. Yeah, I mean, forever. Um so they need they need reliable innings, and I think with Bundy they get that. With Tehran, um, I like that a little more. Um, I was looking at his stats, uh, and apparently his career ERA is exactly what Dallas Keuchel's career ERA was, or something like that. I saw I saw that pop up on Twitter the other day, and I was like, oh wow. Um, some of his peripherals aren't as great, but 
Um, with Tehran, I mean, they get a solid, I would say, number three or four guy, honestly. Um, and it's crazy because he's been the opening day starter for the Braves um, for the last six or seven seasons. So you obviously knew that the Braves trusted him to, to that extent. So, again, I think the Angels get another kind of league average guy that has a little bit of upside, uh, still young. I like that these the, – the one thing that I like is that these guys are still under 30. Bundy's still under 30. Tehran's still under 30. So there's the chance that these guys maybe take it up a notch, and I like that. Uh, I'm not – I'm not betting on that at all by any stretch of the imagination, but um, the fact that these guys are under 30, that they are a lock for, you know, 150, 160 plus innings every season for the last four or five years. um, I think that'll go, I I think that'll change things quite a bit for the angels um, heading into 2020. And the the, the other thing I like is that uh, with Tehran, it's a one-year deal. So Epler is kind of the king of these one-year deals where he kind of wants to see what he gets out of them. And, I think that's probably Epler, you know, for all the kind of duds um, that have come across uh, that Epler signed, you can't really fault Epler too much because a lot of these contracts have been one year deals and then we're kind of uh, we're kind of done with them. And, and that's that we don't have to continue to have Trevor Cahill on the roster and, and, and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, I like Tehran. I like Bundy uh, as innings eaters, as kind of middle of the rotation league average guys. Um and, you know, if you, you, you put together a rotation of league average guys and suddenly, um, you know, you're not a bad team at all. So, yeah. And I kind of thought about, it too, with the free agency class, the way it was when you had the Strasburgs, the Coles, the Wheelers out there, even, you know, Bumgarner, Ryu. I, I kind of felt the Strasburg, Cole and Wheeler were kind of a notch above those other guys. But looking back at what they signed for and, and who they signed with, more importantly, I, I kind of figured the Angels you know, Strasburg was going to stay with the Nationals, I feel, no matter what. I mean, there was reports coming out that he was working at Nationals Park after he became right. a free agent. Um, and then Wheeler <laughs> signs, and it comes out that he turned down less money, or turned down more money from Chicago to stay closer to home in Philadelphia because he grew up in New Jersey. So in my eyes, you know, the, the Angels kind of only missed on one free agent or top free agent, I should say, and that's Garrett Cole. And they pivoted really quickly, like we mentioned, to get Anthony Rendon. Uh, you know, I see a lot of uh, fans frustrated with what the Angels haven't done this offseason. Are, are you one? Are, are you more? Are you focused more on what they had did have done or or haven't done this this offseason? Um, yeah, I'm a little more focused on what they have done. Um, you know, I'm the first kind of Angels fan to kind of voice kind of uh, their kind of disappointment in, in what's been going on the last few offseasons. But I mean, at the end of the day, you can't really be too disappointed with getting Anthony Rendon and, um, and and filling out the rotation a little bit. You know, obviously, they're still missing that ace, that true ace. Um, and, you know, the season is going to be very uh, it's going to be a pretty p- pivotal season in, in, in figuring a few things out. We're going to figure out um, is can we use Otani as the reliable ace if he's only pitching once a week? Does he make it a full season of health? Uh, does he make it through a full season healthy as the every Sunday starter and as the DH? Um, I think that's a very pivotal question that's going to be answered. I feel like if that doesn't work out, I feel like 2021 is going to be a very different season for Otani. I feel like they're either going to commit to him being the ace or commit to him being the DH. Um, I don't see them continuing to go down this route of having him both hit and pitch for more than maybe one or two seasons, um, you know, it, whether it's health or whether it's, you know, one thing or the other. I think I think it's going to be another one or two seasons of him doing what he's doing. And then maybe, um, you know, maybe they end up pivoting and saying, hey, we really need you to be our ace or, hey, we really need you to be our DH, something like that. Uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm not disappointed yet. Um, I think they still really need to go out there and get somebody else, another pitcher just for depth. Um, I don't think the guys like Sandoval and uh, Suarez are entirely ready yet for kind of the weight of the innings that would be needed of them and uh, and just the just the what would be needed out of them basically as, as a fifth starter or sixth starter since we're going to this uh, this six man rotation. So, um, you know, obviously Sandoval and Suarez are kind of nice pieces to kind of think about, but I think. Uh, um, now is not really the time to kind of um, give them that extra uh, that extra time right now. I think I think the Angels need another league average starter, uh, whether that's trading for somebody like John Gray or or you know obviously he's I think he's a little above league average, but trading 
for somebody like Boyd or John Gray, or, you know, I've even thought about over the last few days, uh, even taking a gamble on a guy like Taiwan Walker, who obviously has a lot of upside, but hasn't been healthy the last two seasons or, or, you know, taking a gamble on a guy like Alex Wood, who also has injury concerns. But <laughs> that's the other thing is like, do we really need another guy with an injury concern heading into 2020? So uh, overall, I'm pretty, pretty happy, uh, pretty content with with the offseason so far, mainly based around the Rendon signing and the getting the innings eaters like uh, Bundy and Tehran. I think getting innings eaters uh, is solving a huge part of the puzzle um in in terms of in terms of success for the angels um you know i i think it makes them closer to uh at at, at the moment i think the angels are probably a 500 team or a little bit above a 500 team um and that's you know that's an that's an improvement over over last year he kind of mentioned it too through the trade market as far as picking up a a frontline starter i don't know how many quote-unquote true aces are out there available at this point at least um what prospect wise through the angels do you feel are untouchable or if there is any that are untouchable? Yeah. So with prospects, I'm a lot more, um, I'm not as convinced, uh, with the prospects as a lot of angels fans are. And a lot of angels Twitter is, um, you know, obviously I think Joe Adele is, is kind of hands off. He's, uh, he's not, I, I wouldn't make him available, but other than that, um, I would probably make Brandon Marsh available, uh, I know he's your guy. I know you're a big, you're a big Brandon Marsh guy, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the, the reality is that, um, you know, Brandon Marsh had a season, uh, had an amazing season at double a, um, he's probably, uh, you know, a fringe top hundred guy. You know, I've heard a lot of people, um, a lot of scouts saying that he could be a top hundred guy by the middle of <clears throat> the middle of next season, top hundred MLB prospects, um, by next season. But, uh, I don't know. Uh, we're in this era where the industry, the baseball industry, kind of really values prospects to um, really crazy degrees. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with, um, you know, the, from from about five years ago, we've seen these teams kind of uh, rebuild, get these great prospects. You know, you saw the Astros do it. You saw the Royals do it with Hosmer and Moustakis when they, they were um, when they had that World Series run back to back. You've seen the Astros do it with Correa and Bregman. Um, you see the Dodgers do it with uh, Corey Seager and Gavin Lux, and um, you've seen the Braves do it with Acuna and Albies. So we're in this era where we think that every prospect, uh, every top prospect in every system has the potential to be the next Acuna or has the potential to be the next uh, Bregman or whoever it may be. So teams are less likely now to kind of trade prospects. Epler, it seems, is, is, is very hesitant to trade Marsh. And Adele, although kind of we'll see as the offseason continues. But, uh, you know, the Dodgers are very hesitant to trade, uh, you know, Gavin Lux in terms of uh, trades with the Indians for either Lindor or Clevenger. So um, I'm kind of on the opposite end. You know, I, you know, as as promising as prospects are and I love that you have the, the control over prospects. You, you know, we have six years of Brandon Marsh, you know, once he comes up to the majors. But um, I think that. The need for pitching, the need for more reliable, consistent pitching kind of overweighs or outweighs um, what Brandon Marsh could possibly bring. Um, I, I just think that I don't know if I would trade Brandon Marsh for um, for for Boyd from the Tigers. Um, I'm not that high on Boyd, although he is another uh, league average pitcher with kind of a high strikeout rate. He gives up a ton of home runs. His ERA doesn't look great, but um you know, I don't think I'd swing it for that. But if I packaged, you know, Marsh and Jordan Adams or somebody like that for maybe like a John Gray, I mean, even that might be too much for John Gray. But um, I, I would I would definitely look to trade from that, you know, from below Joe Adele um, to get another um, controllable. Hopefully, I think Boyd is really the only one that's kind of controllable for I think he's controllable for three seasons. But um, yeah, I would use, I would use the prospects to go and get these guys now. Um, because it's been a while, you know, it's been 20, it's been six years, six years, seven years since the angels went to the playoffs. Um, and I think now that Epler's kind of built up the system, uh, I'm not saying that we go out and deplete it. Um, but one or two of those guys, if we get a controllable starter, um, I would, I would make that move. Um, just because I think that the necessity for more 
starting pitching right now outweighs what we might we may or may not get from from Brandon Marsh. You know, Brandon Marsh could be Colby Rasmus or he could be Jason Worth or he could be, you know, nobody at all. You know, you just don't know who these guys are going to be. Obviously, he's trending upwards. And I think the league is starting to notice uh, Brandon Marsh a little bit. I think scouts are starting to notice a little bit. I think the Indians uh, might have wanted him in the in the Kluber deal. Um, I think I would have held back. Uh, Marsh in that deal because I think Kluber um, is aging. We don't really know what the Rangers are going to get out of him. Um, and I think the league kind of felt the same way because you saw what the Rangers sent over to the Indians. I mean, it was it was nothing really that much at all. I mean, you never know how the reliever prospect that they sent over is going to shake out. So, um, But I'm more leaning on the side of, of trading a guy like Marsh or trading a guy like Jeremiah Jackson um, for a controllable arm. Uh, I, I think the Angels uh, would be better off doing that. Yeah, I, I mean, as far as with, with Marsh, I think at the beginning of last season, he was a top 100 uh, prospect, but the injury in the middle of the year kind of took him down off that board, and now he's kind of working his way back up. But, uh, you know, I, and I agree a lot with, with prospects as far as you're not sure what you're going to get, and all you have right, really right now are comparisons to current major league players, but even then, that's a stretch, but... Someone like Brandon, it's kind of interesting to me, too, because considering drafted out of high school, um, talking to him, you know, he was a, you know, a five foot, 10, hundred and, you know, 75 pound slap base hitter for, you know, his freshman, right. his freshman, sophomore year. And so he's just now just barely kind of growing into his body. And now you kind of see the power coming around. Um, right. You know, even like a comparison to Charlie Blackman at, at his peak would uh, has been thrown out there, which I think is a, a, a pretty good comparison defensively. He's. I would say seeing him play up close, he's already probably better than Joe defensively. Um, yeah. Arm and and just kind of first step instincts are are, are already there. But um, right, how do you feel about and and this is kind of something I was kind of thinking about yesterday. There's so many guys out there that are on the trade market, not just pitching wise, but I'm talking about like the Lindors and stuff like that, uh, Mookie Betts. How do you think about maybe the Angels kind of playing the season with what they have right now? if there are, are in contention at the trade deadline, and I'm talking like, you know, maybe a handful of games out of the wild card or have a wild card spot, then trading for uh, uh, an arm then. Because by then you're going to have guys like, you know, Gray with the Rockies. Rockies probably are not going to be in it with the Dodgers being the Dodgers, the, the uh, Padres making moves and trying to get that roster better. So what do you think about, kind of waiting seeing what you have if you can get close then making a deal at the trade deadline because then the price is going to be down compared to what it is now at the at the beginning of the season right yeah that's interesting that's not really something I've, I've thought about but you know as as the as we get closer to spring training now um i think that becomes more of a possibility um you know, I, I know the Angels like to kind of work in the dark in terms of signing guys and, and working out trades. You know, you rarely hear about, you know, something happening before it actually happens. It tends to just kind of come out of nowhere when the Angels sign a guy. So um, but that being said, um, it, it's been really quiet now uh, for a few weeks. And it makes me wonder if Epler is kind of, uh, you know, entertaining these trade, entertaining these trades with either, you know, know Boyd or Gray or or whoever it may be or or Price with the uh, with the Red Sox and it's just not he's kind of at a standstill so it seems like he's at a standstill so um, I think the closer we get to spring training the more that becomes a reality of the Angels looking for a guy in July um, that they can kind of swing uh, I think the Angels would need to be kind of within striking distance to do that otherwise I could see them doing what they did last season and kind of just like dumping a few guys and just kind of seeing what they can get for them um, and then kind of focusing on 2021. But um, I don't know. The, the, the other thing is that I think you have this on, on, on topic for later, but with Epler, I mean, this is kind of the last season that he's under contract. So um, I yeah, could I mean, we, see, we can get into that right now. Yeah. It's Epler's last year of his contract. Uh, you right. know, obviously he goes hired after the 2015 season and, and hasn't had a winning season since. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much of that it, it, it's kind of hard for me. I feel GM wise and you can have a totally different opinion, but when he got here, that system was completely bare. I'm talking like 30th yeah, or 29th yeah. in the system. And, and now, you know, 
it, it was 18th at its peak, I believe, in 2008. Or it was 19th in 2018 at its peak. Now it's around the, 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 the 2019, somewhere around there right now because of a lot of the graduation because of players that had to come up. But, right. you know, w- w- what do you think he needs to have this year to get an extension or, or you know, hold on to this job? Um, I, I think the Angels need to kind of uh, – you- you know, I don't know. It's so tough. You know, um, it's kind of hard to predict with Artie Moreno. Um, I think it depends on. Okay, so this is my opinion. I think that Artie Moreno's loyalty is more to Joe Madden now than it is to um, to Billy Epler. So I think Epler's really going to have to. I think the Angels are really going to have to uh, make some big strides this season in order for Epler to stay. Um, I also think it's going to depend on Madden. Madden and Epler's relationship as well. Um, obviously, you know, we had uh, DePoto and Sosha kind of having have a big falling out. And who did uh, Moreno stay with? He stayed with Sosha because Sosha was his guy. Uh, Madden very much to me feels like he's already Moreno's guy. Um, uh, I feel like Epler kind of, so he needs to kind of make inroads with Madden and he kind of needs to kind of, uh, the Angels need to make big strides this season. I think they need to be close to sniffing the wild card say say the angels say, say the season ends uh with the angels uh like two and a half or three and a half games out of the wild card i think epler stays if it's another catastrophic season like like last year where you know the angels are you know i don't know they finished 10 or 11 games under 500 i think epler's gone um and it sucks because as you were saying epler um has very much rebuilt that farm system uh almost from the ground up um you know and i think for all the kind of um the signings that didn't work out, he's never uh, he's never overextended to sign a guy or made any sort of like reactionary signings. Like he's never signed uh, a reliever to like a multi-year deal uh, worth you know forty million dollars or something like that, and we're stuck with this guy that sucks and we're forty million dollars down. You know, it's always these one-year deals that you know if they blow up on our face, which some of them have. Uh, we don't have to deal with them anymore. They're kind of done. So I think Epler is a very smart GM. Um, I loved the trade early on. I think it was one of his first moves early on where he picked up uh, Antrelton Simmons from the Braves for, I think it was Sean Newcomb and, and Ivar. Um, and I think that's probably one of the better moves he's made, um, apart from kind of rebuilding the farm system. And yeah. I think a lot of Angels fans, I think that was such a long time ago now that a lot of Angels <laughs> fans forget that that was, that, that, that that was, was Epler. Yeah. Uh, because Angels fans freaking love Simba, man. I mean, Simba's like the guy, and a lot of Angels fans, I think, forget about that trade. Yeah, and not only that, though, I think I think Billy at times uh, gets a bad rap just because, yeah, people seem to, to remember the failures a lot more and a lot with a lot more passion than they do like the, the victories he's had, whether it's um, signing Otani and, and, and getting Trout to right. that extension or, you know, right. um, picking up a guy like uh, – um, Hansel Robles and putting him in the bullpen, trading for a tight yes, entry. Yes. Uh, you know, you can go on just this, even this last year with Goodwin being a, a very reliable player. Same thing with Tommy Listella before the injury. I, I, you know, if this is his last year, what would you remember most? Would you remember the not being able to get it done, not being able to get that front line ace or just a guy that made a lot of good signings, but just wasn't able to get that one that pushed him over the top? Yeah, I think I think the latter definitely. Um, I think he's made a lot of great signings, especially with the bullpen. You talk about Hansel Robles. Like if you had told me that Robles, um, you know, would be the closer for the Angels, uh, uh, or you know, because I remember when he was with the Mets and he was kind of like a middle middle reliever, kind of not really um, anything spectacular. And he kind of saw something obviously in Robles um, enough to kind of pick him up, and now he's developed into a really good closer. So. Um, yeah, I'm more on the side of kind of looking at the good things that Epler's done, um, starting with the farm system and also being the GM when we signed, uh, you know, Trout to an extension, you know, he was able to bring Otani over, you know, and Otani had the whole league at his uh, disposal, basically, you know, and he ended up choosing the Angels, whether it's because of Trout or because of how Epler presented the organization to Otani, um, you know, that, that goes a very long way. So, um, you know, if he does go, I'll be a little upset. Um, you know, I think he's, he's definitely, um, been my favorite GM of recent, of, of recent memory. Um, I can't really fault him too much for kind of the, 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 the things that didn't work out, um, you know, like the, like the, like the one year signing. So overall, um, you know, if, 
he does leave, uh, it's going to be due to a lot of things that were kind of out of his control. Obviously, I think if the staff had been healthy the last few years, if Garrett Richards had continued to be healthy, if Haney had continued to be healthy, if Skaggs, you know, obviously had um, was healthy for some of those uh, years, um, I think that things would be a lot, a lot different. Um, so, you know, a lot of stuff is not really his fault. I think he's done the best with what he's had. Um, and that's really all you can kind of ask, ask for, you know, I, I, and if he does leave, he's going to get a huge job somewhere else. I mean, there's going to be a team that is going to pay him a lot of money to come and be their GM. So, you know, as far, and this is something I, I didn't, I didn't plan on talking about, but it kind of came to mind right now with, with everything moves that have happened, you know, angels are, I think it's easy to say the angels are better than they were last year. Right now, Astros have taken a step back from what they were last year. How much of that gap do you think the Angels have closed because of the fact that the, uh, like they signed Rendon and then the Astros lose a Cole, they lose, um, you know, uh, a, a bunch of their, a bunch of their players to free agency. And, and we're, how close do you think that that gap has closed from uh, the end of last year? Um, I think it's closed a little bit. Um, you know, I think it's, I think they're within a few games now of the, of the athletics. I still think they're a little bit, you know, further than that behind the Astros, but, um, <clears throat> I definitely could see them, um, being within, as I said, being within a couple games of the wild card, uh, by the end of the season, um, if not in one of those wild card spots, uh, you know, it's, it, the, the AL is a very, uh, competitive league these days. Um, you know, you have the Rays who are super good. Um, you have the Red Sox who obviously had a down season, but you know, the Red Sox don't have too many down seasons in a row. So you can kind of expect them to bounce back, um, in some capacity, although I'm kind of, uh, really looking for ways in which they can, because, you know, obviously there's questions with sale, they're looking to drop payroll. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with the Red Sox. But, um, and then the, the, the AL central, I don't really see two teams coming from there. So, um, I think it's down to like the, the Rays, the A's, the Angels, um, you know, maybe the White Sox try to make, make a push, you know, end up making a push for the wild card this season. So the, the thing about this offseason, going back to the winter meetings, is a lot of teams are – the thing that I liked is that a lot of teams seem uh, – are understanding that their window to compete is now. Um, you know, you had a few a few years where a lot of teams were very inactive during the winter meetings and very in, inactive during the, the, the postseason – or the offseason as a whole. So um, it seems like a lot of teams this offseason are like, okay, this is our window. Our time is now. It's time to go out and make some moves. The White Sox, obviously, being one of those teams. Um, but yeah, getting back to the Angels, I think, uh, um, yeah, I think they're within a few games of a wild card spot now. Uh, if 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 this was the end of their signings, if they weren't to get anybody else, um, I think they're probably within three three and a half games of like a second wild card spot now um, with these additions. Um, you know, I expect kind of a bounce back from uh, Keenan Middleton. Obviously, last season he didn't get a full season back, and now. In 2020, coming off of Tommy John, I think, uh, like a year and a half ago, I think he's going to bounce back because before Tommy John, he was kind of, uh, you know, projected to be kind of the setup guy or the closer of the future. So I think with him and Butchery and Robles um, kind of anchoring the back end of that uh, that bullpen, um, I think I think there's a lot to look to there. Um, I don't think they're better than the A's yet, although you know, the A's starting staff. I, I, I always wonder how the A's put together, you know, a starting staff because it's, <laughs> it's always yeah, such a mix. It's always such a mixture of guys, man. It's like they brought back Brett Anderson. And then, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, Sean Manea is pretty good, but Sean Manea is not really anybody spectacular. He's not like a true ace. So I don't really know what, how, the, how they get to where they are, to be honest, but, um, you know, more power to them. But the Astros, I think, is going to be a huge season for them. Um, you know, I think they're going to probably try to introduce Kyle Tucker more into the mix, uh, one of their top prospects. And then Forrest Whitley as well is going to have to kind of um, come in and, and try to be a, you know, try to fit into that rotation as as a guy that they're going to have to depend on. Obviously, Justin Verlander is getting older um, and they're going to have to see kind of where else they can go to in that rotation. But um I think I think the division is coming back down to earth and the Angels are slowly um, getting better. And obviously, when Joe Adele uh, makes his appearance um, at some point in 2020, um, I think that'll send the Angels up 
a little bit closer to the A's and the Astros. Hopefully, hopefully Adele is the guy that we think he is. Um, and, and that would bring them a little bit closer, you know, as, as the Astros get a little, little older. Um, and I can't remember the A's ever being good for more than, you know, three or four seasons before they kind of, before they Blown kind up. of, uh, before they kind of blow it up again. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think this decade is, 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 is within striking distance for the angels for sure. You mentioned a couple games out of the wild card. You would feel would be a good year for the angels. How many games do you think that is like, how much, how many games do you think the wild card winner um, we'll have and, and and keep in mind that last year I think 97 was the the number for a wild card spot so that was that's crazy to me but if you go back further than that 90 wins gets you in the wild card and and 2014 15 16 and 17 so obviously that's kind of a big gap in between but and yeah I, and, and, I, and I like how what you mentioned too to make me think about it now it seems like a lot more teams are being competitive and a lot more teams are investing in their roster. So you won't have as many of those top end teams beating up on the lower end teams. So, I mean, you're right, talking right. about, uh, you know, and, and let's talk about the AL, you know, Toronto's making an improvement. So they're not going to be in those young cores is, is obviously getting better. So they're not going to get, get beat up on Baltimore's probably still going to be Baltimore, but then you too, you see Chicago, Cleveland's still, still probably going to be Minnesota. So, you know, how many, right. Without the bottom of the the league being so bad, I think this year, how many wins do you think gets you into the wild card? Yeah, I think it's probably more in that low that low nineties range, uh, upper eighties, low nineties. I think I think I don't think eighty nine cuts it anymore, really. But I think ninety to ninety two uh, might do it. Um, you said ninety seven wins. I think that was probably the Rays that won ninety seven or the the A's as well. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think that has a lot to do with beating up on how weak. Um, a lot of the teams in the AL were last year. I think I talked about it on my podcast, but I think there was like four four teams in the league in in, in MLB last season that that had um, 100 losses or more, and that's like a, a super rarity. So right. um, I don't see that really happening again. Um, so yeah, I would say between 89 and 92 wins uh, probably gets you into that wild card game. Um, the AL East, that yeah, as you were saying, I think they're going to beat up on each other. I think the Blue Jays um, with those young guys in that in that lineup are going to be better are going to be better um you know i think the white Sox are obviously going to be better and probably compete for that, that division um the twins are obviously not going anywhere so um yeah you're looking at you know at least two to three teams in each division in the al um putting together um you know good enough rosters to be competitive uh for the whole season so i think it's going to be interesting but yeah i would say 89 to 92 wins for that all right, Michael, before I let you go, go ahead and tell people about your podcast, what you cover, and, where, and more importantly, where can they download and subscribe to your podcast app? Yeah, so I'm the host uh, of Big League Chewing, a baseball podcast. Um, you can find me kind of wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify, uh, Anchor, etc. cetera. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, on Twitter at ChewingCast, and then I'm also on Instagram at Big League Chewing. Uh, generally, I just interview uh, beat reporters, bloggers, uh, various uh team twitter guys uh guys and girls about uh their teams i interview fans um so it's just a very general baseball podcast um that focuses on all all the teams in mlb um and yeah i hope to bring kind of a new and kind of interesting twist to to what i do there with, with spring training again like a little more than a month away when the, the players start reporting uh do you have a schedule yet as far as are you going to be weekly bi-weekly and if so do you know when that will start yeah, so I, I plan to be uh, weekly again. So I was weekly towards the uh, the middle, towards the end of last season. Um, and during the off season, I've kind of been, you know, every couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, once once spring training kicks in, um, I'll be doing weekly podcasts. I'll probably try to do a breakdown um, of every team uh, in spring training uh, and hope to have like a, a beat writer or a blogger uh, on to talk about each individual team uh, leading up to the 2020 season. So should be good. All right, Michael, thank you very much for your time, and, and hopefully we'll have you on again when the season starts in, in full gear and we can talk about not only Angels baseball but uh, everything that's going on. Cool. Sounds good, Daniel. I appreciate it, man. Take care. Hey, hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did. 
check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. This is Hook Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Again, I want to thank Michael for taking some time out and uh, chatting with us. Again, that is Big League Chewing. Um, it's a podcast. Pretty much anywhere you get this podcast, you can find it there. Definitely check it out. Definitely a podcast that is growing and, and is very, very good. So definitely check him out. He mentioned his Twitter uh, and his Instagram. I'll definitely post it in the description of the podcast. So if you didn't catch it, um, Johnny and I will be back later this month, I think probably another week or two, and we will start. Uh, we'll do our, our normal uh, questions and, and live stream and all that stuff. So again, um, make sure you follow us on our Twitter and our Instagram, halo underscore Haven on both Instagram and on Twitter. And then of course, if you have any questions, uh, the guaranteed way to get them onto the podcast is to email us at all angels podcast at gmail.com. That's all angels podcast at gmail.com. That guarantees you, uh, your questions will be read and answered on the podcast. So, um, for Daniel Garcia, I am out and I'll see you in a couple weeks. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.